Sure is good to see all of these children and young people uh, in the house of God serving the Lord. Amen? Amen. Definitely in the uh, times that we live in, so many young people just going away from God, it's good to see these young people and our children and uh, their parents raising up right and bringing them to church and teaching them. So um, thank you all of our music leaders and all the choir leaders. That's mighty wonderful. Give them a hand of applause too. Open your Bibles or get your Bibles and uh, be ready from John chapter 14, 15, and 16 is where we have talking about uh, from the theme, Overcomer. And remember our basic three-point outline that we're trying to cover in this series is there's some things we need to remember for ourselves. And last week we talked about what those were. We need to remember that Jesus has already overcome Sin, Satan, death, hell, even the world. We need to remember that we live in a fallen world. This is not heaven. This is not our home. We live in a broken, sinful, fallen world. We're sinners and we're surrounded by sinners. We need to remember that the nature of the battle is not physical. It's not against one another. It's not against uh, flesh and blood. It's not against people. Uh, It's against, the Bible says, it's a spiritual battle. We also need to remember that uh, we are in the last days, according to the Scriptures. These are the last days. The Bible said that 2,000 years ago, so if it was true 2,000 years ago, how can it not be true today, right? And uh, we need to remember that we're strangers in this world. This isn't our home. If, If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, we don't belong here. That's why we're treated as outcasts and strangers, because this isn't our home. We belong to another world. We belong to the kingdom of God. And so Jesus said His kingdom is not of this world. And then lastly, we talked about we need to remember that Jesus is returning for us, that he's preparing a place for us in heaven, and he's returning for us very soon. But the second part of of this basic outline, not only things we need to remember, but things we need to resolve. We need to resolve, that is, be resolute about some things unto God. In other words, what are we going to believe? How are we going to uh, uh, obey what God tells us to do in these turbulent times? So the, the scripture we use that we've been talking about from John chapter 16 is this is where the whole series comes from. One verse, but I, actually three chapters. But uh, the jumping off point was the last verse of John 16. Now remember, this is a private conversation Jesus is having with his disciples. It's just he and them. They're in the upper room. This is uh, at the, 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 the setting would be the Last Supper setting. They probably already had the meal or maybe just before Jesus is teaching them. It also could, uh, we can picture that time where Jesus is having this intimate conversation with them. And Jesus says to them, and this is the summation of all he said in John 14, 15, and 16. He says, these things I have spoken to you that in me you may have peace. In the world, you will have, not may have, you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. So I want to share with you this morning the first thing we need to resolve. And it's interesting, uh, and this happens almost every Sunday, but how what God gives me to share with you on Sunday morning in this time has already been talked about in the Sunday school hour. And I don't go and look and look at all the Sunday school books and see what people are studying. 
But uh, it's just so interesting that the title of our Sunday school lesson this morning was exactly what I'm going to be talking about here. And Jesus said in this verse in John 16, 33, he said, you know, be of good cheer. He said, I've overcome the world. Be of good cheer. And then in chapter 14, he says, let not your heart be troubled. Now, if you put those two together, here's what I want us to talk about today. We need to resolve to decide to choose cheer over fear. Cheer over fear. Now, John 16, is a summary in the climax of this upper room conversation Jesus had. Why did he give them this message? Why did he close that, all that he said with that one verse? That in me you have peace, in the world you'll have trouble, but fear not or be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. Because the disciples might be prone to see the things going on in their world, they might be prone to get discouraged. They might be prone to become afraid, just like you and just like me. You see, fear is a natural reaction when you hear about the bad things going on in this world. You know, when you watch the news or you hear about these stories of things that are happening in our world and in our nation, even our own city, what is our world coming to? And, man, I don't even want to have kids in this world or the kids are freaking out too about all the... I mean, the storms are getting worse and more frequent. I was told this week that, uh, you know, one of the signs of the times we looked at in Matthew chapter 24 last week, he said there'll be various earthquakes. Earthquakes will increase. You know, there's already in the month of September... Uh, one of our deacons told me there have been 400 and something earthquakes already in the month of September around the world. You don't hear of those things. You know, the intensity and the frequency of these storms are getting more and more common. The violence, the hatred, the, the, the people getting offended over, oh, I dropped my pen. I'm offended you dropped your pen. I'm suing you. And that was the wrong kind of pen you dropped, by the way. And, you know, I'm being silly and facetious, but it's, that's the silly things that people get offended over. And Jesus said that. He said, offenses will, read Matthew 24, people will be offended. And so it's easy for us to look at all this and go, man, this world is going to hell in a handbasket. It's scaring me. I'm afraid. But fear will cause our hearts to fail and to be overcome with dread and doom. But that's not fitting for a believer. When we read and hear even the prophecies and the scriptures about the end times, we we can become full of fear and dread. But that's not how we ought to feel. Because uh, when things come to an end in this world, it won't be a day of doom for you if you're a believer. It will be for the unbeliever. Listen to what Jesus said in Luke chapter 21, verse 25 through 28. There will be signs in the sun and in the moon and in the stars and on the earth distresses of nations. So Jesus said there's going to be signs, earthly signs and heavenly signs, distress of nations with perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring. Hmm, what does that sound like? Hurricanes. Men's hearts failing them from fear and the expectation of those things which are coming on the earth. For the powers of the heaven will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. 
Now, when these things begin to happen, lock yourselves in your basement and tremble with great fear because you're fixing to die. Is that what it says? But is that what we do? Now, yeah, take shelter from the storm. Don't be an idiot. But that's not what he's saying. He's not saying don't be smart. He's saying don't be afraid. When these things begin to happen, when you see these signs beginning to happen, it's not supposed to cause the believer, the follower of Jesus, to freak out and become overcome with dread and doom. He says it's call, it should cause us to do what? Look up. Lift up your head because your redemption draws near. That is, the fulfillment of everything you believe in is fixing to become reality. You're fixing to see your Savior face to face. It won't be long. You're going to see that heaven you believed in. It's not going to be long. You see, believers' hearts are not supposed to fail them because of the fulfillment of these things. Jesus here, when he says men's hearts will fail them, he's talking about the unbelievers' hearts will fail them. Don't live like an unbeliever in an unbelieving world. We live in an unbelieving world, but we're to live like followers of Christ. These awesome signs that Jesus talked about will bring terror to the lost people of the world, but hope to you and me. It should bring hope to us, not terror, hope. Yes, it's disheartening. It's discouraging to see what's happening, that our world is going to hell in a handbasket. But it also should bring us hope to realize, hey, Jesus said these things were coming just before he came back. So that means if these things are happening, it's fixing to get better for us. Now, if all your marbles are here, if you're living for this world and you love this world, then yeah, you better be scared. You will be afraid. You won't be cheerful. Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble, but cheer up. Cheer up. I've overcome the world. With all that's happening in the world... You know, there's a lot of things we could be afraid of. You know, some are afraid, well, my needs won't get met. If things keep happening the way they're going, then the price of gas, the price of food, or even the ability to get food and, and clothing and shelter and things like that may, you know, that's what a lot of people are afraid of. Jesus said, don't worry about those things. Matthew 6, don't worry about what you're going to wear, what you're going to eat, or what you're going to drink. He said, for those are the things that the unbelievers seek. He said, but you... Matthew 6, Seek first, what? The kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. You don't need to fear. Fear will shut you down and consume your very life of what's happening in this world. It will cause you to react and respond in ways that are unhealthy and even unholy. You may be afraid of persecution. That if I stand up and count for Christ, and because this world hates Christians and hates Jesus, then if I stand up and identify myself with Him, that I might be persecuted. Jesus said in Matthew 10, verse 28 through 31, He said, Do not fear those who can kill the body but cannot kill the soul, but rather fear Him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a copper coin? And not one of them falls to the ground apart from your father's will, but the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Do not fear, therefore. 
you are of more value than many sparrows. Jesus, listen to what Jesus told the church um, in Smyrna, the book of Revelation. He said, do not fear any of the things which you're about to suffer. In fact, the devil's about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested. And you'll have tribulation for ten days. He said, be faithful even unto death, and I'll give you the crown of life. So Jesus is saying, look, you're fixing to face a terrible time of suffering. You're going to be thrown in prison. Some of you may even die. Don't be afraid. <laughs> that doesn't make sense, does it? You're fixing to tell me I'm going to be persecuted. I may even be killed. But not to be afraid? In Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 6, Scripture tells us, So we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? You remember what Peter and John said in the book of Acts as they were told to not preach anymore in the name of Jesus? And lest that they more bad things would happen to them that already been arrested? And we know what things happened even after that, but they said, if, whether it's right unto, to you or anybody else, you decide. But we can't help but speak about Jesus Christ. Don't be afraid. See, that's what got us into this situation that we're in today. That's part of what got us into this situation, is that Christians have cowered in the corners. We have been intimidated into silence. We have let people who, who have loud mouths but don't believe the truth of Jesus Christ shout us down. And we, we now are wondering, how did we get to where we are? Because as the Bible says, Jesus said, while good men slept, the enemy came in. And sowed the tares. While the church of Jesus Christ was cowering in the corner inside their little holy huddles and thinking that everything was okay, the enemy was at work and we hadn't been the salt and the light in this community and in this world that we should have been. And we're suffering the consequences of it today. And the only way to face that is not to fight a physical battle, but to fight a spiritual battle which begins with prayer this armor of God and standing up for the truth and allowing you, God to use you as a vessel and a spokesman for truth. Some say, well, I'm, I'm scared of not having my needs met or not being able to take care of my family or I'm scared I'm going to be persecuted or killed. Some of you, well, I'm, well, I'm scared to die. In Hebrews chapter 2, verse 15, 14 and 15, the Bible says, as much then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood he himself likewise shared in the same that is Christ took part in flesh and blood he became man that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death that is the devil and release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage now you know I don't look forward to dying the process I don't know what that's going to look like for me don't know what it's going to look like for any of my family members. I mean, honestly, selfishly, I hope I go first because I don't want to watch anybody of my loved ones die. I watched my sister suffer for a couple of years before she passed away. Ms. Joanne Ziegler and them buried their daughter-in-law this past week. She had suffered for five years with cancer. Many of you have seen that happen in your family. Then three months later, my mother passed away in her sleep just peacefully like that, which is easier. It's ne the loss is the same. 
the process of death, how we're going to die, I don't know. I don't have to worry about it, though. You shouldn't worry about it. You shouldn't be in constant dread and fear about the process of dying. shouldn't consume you to the point where you don't live for Christ because you have already been given everlasting life and not fear those that can kill the body. Don't even fear that which can kill the body. Don't even fear cancer itself or Alzheimer's or anything that can debilitate you in such a point where you no longer feel like you're enjoying life. That's all in the hands of God. We can't control it anyway. You, your worry is not going to take away your cancer, the possibility of you're getting cancer or Alzheimer's or any other accident, disaster, or whatever kind of death you and I might experience. Our fear, our worry is not going to change any of that, not a bit. It's going to make your life miserable now while you're healthy. So don't fear. Those are things that we could fear. So Jesus says in John 16, in this world, you will have trouble. Listen, you're going to have trouble. We don't know what kind of trouble it's going to be. It's going to be all kinds of trouble. We're going to have health trouble. We're going to have financial trouble. There's going to be family trouble. There, there's going to be trouble at, on the job. There's going to be trouble in this world from the hatred and persecution of believers and the followers of, of Christ. But he said, be of good cheer. It's one of our Lord's re- repeated statements. We're going to see through this, this point here about being choosing cheer over fear is that Jesus repeated this phrase, be of good cheer, several times in the Gospels. And it literally means, cheer up! Cheer up! Don't let this world get you down! If you have to, do what I do. Turn the news off! Get off the internet! Quit reading the garbage and the, all the junk that's out there. You don't always have to know everything bad that's going on in the world. God didn't make you the watchdog. Just let it go and love Jesus and follow Him and be a light. Proclaim the truth. You don't have to know all the problems and all the errors. Just live the truth and you'll confront the errors soon enough. I promise you. If you let it consume you, it will consume you. So how does cheer up and the word tribulation. In this world you're going to have trouble, but cheer up. How does that fit together? How are we supposed to cheer up in this world? How can we have that untroubled joy in the midst of such a troubled world? Well, let me give you the key. And this may be as far as I get. I don't know. We'll see. Jesus said in verse 1633, go back and look at it. These things I have spoken to you, Now look at those next words. That what? That what? In me. You may have what? Peace. Do you have peace right now? Or are you in constant turmoil? Worry. Afraid. Always upset about what's going on in this world. Oh my. Or do you have peace? You know how you have peace? It's in Christ. Now, if you're in the world and you're, you're saturating yourself in all that stuff, you're not going to have peace. But if you're saturating yourself in John 15, he said, Abide in me and let my words abide in you, and then your joy will be full. If you're saturating yourself in Christ, then you will have peace. Isaiah 26.3 He shall have perfect peace whose mind is stayed on him. 
It's when you get your eyes and your mind off of him. That's why Jesus said, all these signs you're going to see in the heavens, the sun, the moon, the stars, the earth, the storms. He said, lift up your eyes, look up. That's what you have to do if you're going to have peace. Jesus said, send me. So how do we have it? It's in the person of Christ. Jesus said in John 14, he began this whole personal conversation with his disciples with these words, John 14, 1. Let not your heart be troubled. We have a lot of troubled hearts here this morning. I have been I've had troubled hearts over the condition of this, a troubled heart too over the condition of this world. But Jesus says, don't let your heart be troubled. He said, you believe in God, what? Believe also in me. Now note the contrast in verse six, chapter 16, verse 33. He says, in the world you will have trouble, but in me you will have peace. In Christ there's peace. In the world there's trouble. This is the position we need to claim. We are in Christ. He is in us. And therefore we can overcome the world and all of its hatred and violence. George Morrison defined peace as the possession of adequate resources. And he wasn't talking about money. It's in Jesus Christ we have adequate resources. We have all the resources we need to have peace. In me is the key. In ourselves we have nothing. In ourselves we don't have enough adequate resources to prepare for any disaster that's coming our way. You just ain't going to have enough. I'm sorry. But in Christ, we have all that we need. You cannot cheat death. You cannot run from persecution unless you just outright deny Jesus Christ and say, I don't, I don't want anything to do with Him. But then that's going to invite and being, becoming an enemy of God. And I'd rather be, an, and I got this mixed up last week, <laughs> I'd rather be an enemy of the world than an enemy of God. The Bible says friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God and vice versa. <laughs> I learned something last week. Hope you did. 1 John 4, 4. You are of God, little children, and have overcome them. Because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. This was in our Sunday school lesson this morning. Didn't know it until I got to Sunday school. But this is what God put on my heart this morning. He who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. The devil, the spirit of the Antichrist, the, the, the hatred against God and his people and Jesus and his people. That's there. That's out there. You're not going to stop it. Until it reaches its crescendo, and then in the, the end of the tribulation, Jesus is going to handle it. And you know what? He won't need an army. Oh yeah, we're coming back with him. And he'll have the host of heaven with him. But he won't lift a finger. All the armies of the world, you know that? All the armies of the world will be gathered in that last final battle. It's going to be so bloody, the Bible says, that the blood will rise up to the bridles of the horses. But Christ, nor his people, will lift a single sword. There's only one sword that's going to be swung that day. And when it is swung, it will fail them all at one time. And they will be executed. You know what sword that is? Everybody hold your Bible up. That's the sword that will be swung. Jesus said, 
he will, it's, Revelation says he will use the sword of his mouth. <laughs> it will be the word of God. And all those who oppose it will fall. Listen, that's our only hope. Every believer is either overcome with fear and worry and dread, or you're an overcomer. Now, I don't know how you choose to live, but I'd rather live an overcoming life instead of being overcome by all this trouble in the world. 1 John 5, 4. This also was in our Sunday school lesson. For whoever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Our faith in Jesus Christ. The world wants to overcome us. And that's why the devil uses the world to persecute and pressure us. The world wants to conform us. It doesn't want us to be different. It doesn't want us to stand up for truth and righteousness. It doesn't want us to call sin, sin. And when we yield ourselves to Christ and trust Him, He enables us to resist the devil, to be an overcomer. So what we have to do is claim our faithful position in Christ. He says, in me you will have peace. Now, this morning, if you don't have peace, and you're a believer, I'm talking to those who are believers, if you don't have peace, chances are, is you've been living in the world, and you haven't been living and walking in Christ. So if you're afraid and worried and sweating bullets over the condition of this world and all the things that are going wrong, and see, that's what the Lord tells me. You know, that's when I get all bent out of shape, I'm, the problem is that I have my eyes on the storm. I have my eyes on the problems. And I don't have my eyes on the Savior. I don't have my heart tuned into Him. Friends, in Christ, come to Him. Come back to Him. Forsake all others. You're not going to find the security that you need any other way. Any other way. You can't bank enough money. You can't do enough to give yourself that peace that only Christ can give you in the midst of this turbulent world that we live in. I want to close with this. There may be some of you here today that don't have peace because you're not a believer. You've never given your heart to Jesus Christ. You see, apart from Jesus, you can't have peace. And, and apart from a relationship with Him. So, how can you have peace in the midst of this world of trouble? Is You need to know the pardon of Christ. In fact, in chapter 15, Jesus spoke of this cleansing, the forgiveness of, that He offered. He said in, in John 15, 3, You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Now, He was speaking to His disciples. You say, well, what about Judas? Well, you've got to realize in John 15... Judas wasn't there. He had already left to go betray Jesus. But back in John 13, Jesus uh, said something else in verse 9 and 10. This is where Jesus is washing their feet. And Peter said, Lord, you're not, you're not washing my feet. And Jesus said, if I don't wash you, you have no part with me. I want you to hear that. If I don't wash you, you have no part with me. Listen, if you've never been cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ, you can't claim anything in His Word. You have no part with Him. You're either with Him or you're against Him. There is no middle ground. There's no gray area. You're with Him or you're not. If He hasn't cleansed your sin, then you're not saved. But He wants to. 
Peter said, Lord, you're not washing my feet. Jesus said, if I don't wash you, you have no part with me. And then, then Peter changed his tune. Well, okay then, then wash me all over. He said, from head to toe. Jesus said, he who is bathed needs only to wash his feet. And is completely clean. And you are all clean, but not all of you. Who is he talking about? Judas. See, not all of us here may be clean. There may be some who are still unclean. You're still in your sin because of various reasons. But the ultimate reason is you've rejected the one who can cleanse them, and that's Jesus Christ. You can't cleanse your sin by joining a church. I can't cleanse your sin. This church can't cleanse your sin. You can't have your sins cleansed by doing more good than you've done bad. And by the way, how's that working out for you? You'll never be good enough. It's impossible. In fact, the Bible says if you want to live that way, he said if you want to live by the letter of the law, he said then you better not mess up because you've got to be perfect. If you offend in one point, you're guilty of breaking the whole law. So if you've already messed up once, you've blown it. You can't be clean by keeping a set of rules and rituals. You can't be clean by pretending that God isn't real and that this Jesus stuff is fake and somebody made it up. That's not going to help you. It's still the truth. And your heart, at one point, even if it doesn't now, your heart at one point knew there was a God and knows there's a God and knows that all this wonderful design has to have a wonderful designer because the heavens give witness to the glory of God. You have to reject all the order in this universe in order to reject the one who made it. It's illogical. It's insensible to reject God and the one he sent, Jesus Christ. So your knowledge, your intellect, you're not smart enough to wash your sins away. You're not rich enough. The Bible says the redemption of a soul is costly, and you don't have enough money to pay for your soul. You can't buy your redemption. The redemption was the blood of an innocent person. It was pictured in the Old Testament when they slaughtered innocent, spotless sheep, lambs. It was fulfilled in the New Testament in the person of Jesus Christ who was fully God and fully man and lived a perfect life. And he became the Lamb of God who was slain for the sins of the whole world. That's what it cost for a soul to be saved. And if you reject the price, then you've rejected the very thing that can save you. That's why Jesus said on the cross, it is finished. That word means paid in full. The debt's been paid. So, if you really want peace in this world of trouble, you have to accept the free pardon of Jesus Christ. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 9, He was forgiving, He was healing actually, a man who was paralyzed. And uh, it says when, first thing he said to this paralyzed man, he said, son, be of good cheer. That's one of those statements I told you about that Jesus said several times in the gospel. Son, be of good cheer. 
your sins are forgiven you. In other words, be at peace. Be joyful. Be happy. Your sins are forgiven you. Now let me ask you this. Do you know the peace of His pardon today? Do you have the cheer and the, the joy of knowing that your sins are forgiven? The Bible says in Psalm 32, 1 and 2, How blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not charge with iniquity. Do you have that blessing in your life today? Do you know the pardon, the peace of his pardon? If you don't, you can. Right here, right now, at this very moment. Every head bowed, every eye closed.